Eavesdrop on Experts, a podcast about stories of inspiration and insights. It's where expert types obsess, confess and profess. You'll meet people you wouldn't normally meet, but we'll be glad you did. I'm Chris Hatzis. Let's eavesdrop on experts changing the world. One lecture, one experiment or one interview at a time. Today we are venturing into a high-security facility that has finely tuned climate-controlled conditions. Wow, so this is, we're in a limited access area. Yes, very, very secure, very special. High security for rare books. It is the vault for the rare book collection at the Bailey Library at the University of Melbourne. Our reporter, Dr Andy Horvath, caught up with Susan Millard, the special collections librarian, during her preparations for an exhibition called Art on the Page. Art on the Page traces the tradition of book illustration, from 20th century European artists like Picasso, Matisse and Miro, to contemporary Australian artists and authors. So Susan, we're in the bowels of the building now, on our way to the Rare Books Collection. That's right. Um, how many books are in the Rare Books Collection? Oh, we have about 250,000 items. It's pretty amazing. Should we go in? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. So here we are in the Rare Books area. Pretty nice. So oh. we'll just uh, go down to the, what we call the Rare Book Room. Um, full of books. It's starting to smell really nice. Ooh, I can smell the books. I know, I know, it's like book perfume. <laughs> and this is our wonderful rare book room with wooden shelves and lots of beautiful, beautiful books. And it's used by scholars, obviously, researchers and people who are interested in culture, history. Absolutely, we have a lot of um, researchers, we have, you know, we also use it for teaching and learning and um, people don't really come to this room unless we bring them in. So you can actually order items and they go up to the third floor in the reading room and people can order anything. It's all online. So people can order and look at our stuff up there. So it's really wonderful. Oh, it smells good. Yes. Oh, it's, oh, if it only does. this was... I know, you need smell vision or something. Yeah, or smell audio in this smell case. audio <laughs> Wow, look at all this gold embossing. So there are a lot of old books here, but you're about to curate and open an exhibition. Tell us about that. Okay, so this exhibition is called Art on the Page and it is all about the European tradition of artists making books. So it's when it becomes, at the turn of the 20th century is when it becomes really modern and it's when a lot of the artists like Matisse and Miro and all these sort of people became really interested in the book form and found that instead of just painting on canvases, they could just do amazing things with the book form, um, a lot of print work. And so it's a really interesting thing that the artists and the writers could come together and actually, the artists gave, were given as much credence, I suppose, as, the, as the, the words. And that was a new thing. It's very modern. So what did these artists like Miro and Matisse do? They virtually illustrated the words. Were the words stories or poems? or Mainly poetry. It's usually poetry. Mm -hmm. And yes, they did. Uh, I can tell you a story, actually, about the Miro. And um, the Miro is a good case in point because this is um, called Palo Searle. It's Tristan Zara, who was originally Samuel Rosenstock. 
and he was a Russian Jew. He came to Paris, as everybody did. Everybody just came to Paris, you know. So this is the big thing. And so... What decade are we talking oh, about? Oh, sorry, 20, oh, 20s-ish. A bit before some of them, but 20s was the really big time in Paris when they all came to Paris. But this particular book, because we've got slightly later books than that whole scene, this one's a 1950 book, but it was um, Zara's poems that he... Um, during World War II, because he was Jewish, he was sort of pretty much um, hunted by the Gestapo, so he was pretty upset and he had a bad divorce. And Anyway, he ended up in a mental hospital and he wrote these poems in the mental hospital that are the poems that are in this book, Palacel. And um, it's really, you know, it's quite amazing because it's all about his survival and the people, he, you know, that are in the hospital with him and just how his sort of whole view on you know, about surviving and his mental state. And, and then Miro, they were friends actually, they knew each other, and um, Miro responded to this and did these amazing gestural abstract art works on the page with the poetry. So it's an absolutely beautiful work. And our hero image that we're using is, is from the Miro and it is just really, it's an amazing story and it's just a beautiful work, so. Susan, can we see the Miro illustrated book? Absolutely, and here it is. Oh. As you can see, it's um, bound in the European tradition, which means it's not bound. It's um, loose. Yes, it's loose pages. loose pages. So it's pretty amazing. And this was the European tradition. Very beautiful paper, and these are lithographs. It's a process where they use stone, or not always stone, but originally it was. Um, they put the image on the stone and then print it from that, and every colour has to be passed through as a separate colour. Now, Miro is famous for his very aesthetic blobs that just seem to be in the right <laughs> position. Yes, 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 he's very famous for that. Um, and this is a beautiful example, Palacel. It's, it's just a beautiful example of Miro's abstract placement. And the placement, you can see here the placement on the page with his works and the poetry is really beautiful. And this is what was really radical about these books because they... they merge the text and the artwork as one, uh, whereas, you know, before that it was sort of like the text and then it was illustrated. So you'd have like a picture. It was very um, conservative, but this was just like completely modernist. All the avant-garde people just got involved and it was quite amazing. So this was a revolution in the book world. Absolutely. And this happened because of the stresses of World War Two, or did it start No, it started earlier? at the turn of the century, so 20th century. 20s in particular was just a major time in Paris. As I said, everybody, everybody went there. All the artists and writers and, um, ended up together and they were all sort of hanging out together and, you know, it was just such a scene. You know some of the goss, the gossip that happened uh, to some of these artists and authors. What's one of your favourite stories? <laughs> um, well, look, I mean, there's a whole lot of interesting things. For instance, this is Sonia Delaunay. And she is absolutely fantastic. She she just did so much work. She did a whole lot of fashion work and she did um, fashion for a lot of plays and avant-garde plays, but she also did it for the Ballet Russe. So she was just major. And This is 1920s? Sort of 20s, 30s. And, and then by the time the Second World War came along, they... She sort of ended up with a whole lot of other artists. This is like um, Jean Arp, um, Sophie Tauber Arp and Magnelli and, and some of this is in the exhibition. There'll be, there'll be eight of these on the wall. And they all were in a commune together. They're all hanging out, you know, like so it was pretty amazing and they were all living together in um, the south of France. 
during the war it was difficult, of course, because, you know, she was Jewish too, Sonia Delaunay, so, you know, you know, very difficult times for them. But, you know, they, they got through it and her stuff is just absolutely... Wow, this yeah. looks like really sort of abstract... Very abstract. Um, sort of geometric yes, and yeah. fashion and even the dresses and the settings for the dresses are geometric and abstract. Yeah. Use your, your imagination. It's full-on abstract and we're talking about a revolutionary way of illustrating books. Show us something contemporary. I saw something okay. the other yep. day yep. under your arm which was a, something written by Paul Kelly. Yes. Now, he's the singer-songwriter. I'll show you the... Um, okay. The David Fraser. So it's David Fraser and Paul Kelly and he... Just illustrated. He David Fraser does these amazing woodcut works, and um, he illustrated Little Aches and Pains by um, Paul Kelly. So it's a beautiful work, and you know, very, uh, very poignant, and just a lovely, a lovely work. So now these are collectibles as well. So there's clearly a market for these Look, rare yes. books. Well, they are. They're rare because, in this case, because they're all limited edition. So that makes another. That's another actually reason why things are rare. Usually the um, Australian artists do about 10, sometimes they do 15. It depends on sort of how much they can sell, really. And often it's they sell to institutions. Um, and then there's a few private buyers as well. But, um, you know, this one in particular, too, is... Um, what's this one? Sorry. Just get this out. This is called Europa to Oceania, which really is just says it all for me for this exhibition. This is... George Matulis, Angela Cavalieri and Anthony Jacques did the poetry and it's all about the immigrant experience and their families coming over. Oh, this is a bound book. Oh, with little sort of um, fold-outs. And so Angela does all this beautiful lino-cut work and George does all this sort of work and George bound the book too, he's a binder. And um, Anthony just uh, wrote all these very pithy little bits about... um, about the immigrant experience. So it's a, it's a really gorgeous book and it won the Mackay Artist Book Award and the Bodleian have just bought it. Ah, excellent. Now, have you been purchasing stuff for the University of Melbourne Library and Archives? Yeah, well, not the archives because they're separate. So this is just this, the special collections, um, rare books. And, yes, I have purchased a lot of the stuff going into this exhibition. Must be fun shopping for rare books. It is. <laughs> We've got much more of a limited budget this year, but um, it's still good to be able to, um, you know, I mean, it's good that we make informed decisions about what we buy. And often that will relate to teaching and learning. So we would do a lot of classes with um, students, which is fantastic. Um, We bring them in and show them the books so they can actually have that real physical experience with the items. And, you know, it's always wonderful. They're always, you know, they love it. So it's much better than seeing it digitised on a computer screen to actually see the physical object. that's really the point of it. And that's why we try and maintain these things so that even future generations can get that can have that experience you know and you know it's great for information to have digital and it's good to have digital I'm not you know it's great but to see the physical (laughs) object like we've got for instance a 1632 second folio for Shakespeare for instance and when the students of Shakespeare students come in and see that you know it's like gasp it's just lovely so it's it's a really yeah it's it's a great thing to be able to show them. Uh, Susan, there are pillows everywhere in this (laughs) store this is what you rest the books on right and these are what these are kind of like um yeah they're they're like bean bags oh okay they're bean bags for the books so they can have a little snooze um 
<laughs> we lo- we would like to have a little snooze too, on, but you know that's probably not appropriate. Um, no, but seriously, it's very important to look after the spines of the book. So we have these pillows. So when you open a book, it can rest very neatly, and the spine is protected when you open things. Wow. So this is this David Fraser. This is the Paul Kelly one. Yes. So Paul it's Kelly beautiful. wrote the text, and the lino cut chap. David, uh, yeah, lino cut woodcut chap, David Fraser. Yep, did the amazing did lino cuts. Beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, woodcuts, woodcuts. Usually, he does do big lino cuts too. And actually, David Fraser is doing a print workshop for us as part of our public program, so that's going to be gorgeous. He's going to come down and bring his little press, and so people can have a go at doing their own little print with his print. I so want to do that. Oh, I know. It's very exciting. I've seen him do it before and it's so nice and people love it. So we thought that would be a nice public program to go with the exhibition. I know audio is an audio medium, but the visual effect of some of these is is quite profound. You really sink Mm. into some of his pictures. Yes, absolutely. The detail is quite incredible. Um, You must have good glasses. It is fantastic. And he works from Castlemaine now. So um, he's got his studio up there and lives up there. So I just think this is really beautiful. Susan... No, this is going to be a question. You're going to be annoyed that I'm asking you. Are you ready? But try and take on the challenge. Okay, there's a fire. What do you grab? Oh, no, don't, don't, don't ask <laughs> it. to make no, her choose between no. her babies. Look, we've always had a joke about this in um, heritage collections, and the first thing one, one should grab is your accession register. So all the lists of stuff that, you know, that you've actually owned or ever owned, really, from a bibliographic point of view, it's really important to have those things. At the moment, I've got a digitising project to actually digitise all our accession registers, so we won't have to grab those. Um, oh, look, I don't know. I mean, you know, how would you know? And you can't. I mean, you'd grab a Gutenberg leaf, you'd grab, uh, you know, our breviary, probably the things that are... Um, the manuscripts, the medieval manuscripts and stuff, like because they're irreplaceable. Whereas something like the Gutenberg leaf is printed, so you know ultimately there is another copy in the world somewhere. So I'd be going for them. What surprises have you encountered with the public when rare books become available to the public to look at, like during Rare Book Week? What surprises and misconceptions do the public have about rare books? Everybody says, what a fantastic job you get to sit here with the books all day, which is, of course, not the case because there's a lot of other admin and stuff that goes on with these jobs. But it is a privilege to work with this material. It's so beautiful. And, you know, I think you have to be passionate about it to really do these jobs because they're... they're, One of the misconceptions is, oh, it's a sort of library, you know, but the the thing about these collections is they actually require quite um, specific security, much higher security, much sort of um, look more intense environmental conditions. Like this room's about 19 degrees. We have to keep them quite cool um, and in the dark as we walked in it was in the dark um, so there are things that people don't sort of understand often about the about looking after these collections so they think it's just like a normal library where you know you can sort of slip the things around and um, uh, but you can't and there's a whole lot of you're always arguing this is that sort of point um, but I think you know I, that's prob- the biggest thing is yeah that people think you just sit here and look at the books all day which is um I mean, we do get to look at them. <laughs> but One thing about being in, in amongst the rare book collections here is yeah. a lot of the books are huge. They're oh, giant. Yeah. Like, they're really, really big. They're sort of like the size of your photocopier glass. 
Oh, for sure. Like, there's a lot of giant folios here. And then we've got elephant folios all over here, which like Gould's Birds of Australia and Mammals of Australia, they are magnificent, full sets of those, and they're gorgeous. Um, so, you know, having stuff like that and getting those out and showing people, they always gasp and it's just lovely. It's lovely to show those things to people. I really enjoy that, actually, showing people the material. That's one of the really real joys of the job, actually. What will you be pointing out in your exhibition, Art on the Page, when your mum comes in? What are you going to drag her over to first? <laughs> well, probably the Miro, to be honest, the Miro Zara, because that is just... It is beautiful. It is beautiful, and it's my probably one of my favourite items, really. But I really love this Matisse, Charles Dolian, as well, because that... That's a gorgeous story too and, you know, it's just right. lovely. Tell so. us about Henri Matisse. <laughs> <laughs> this Matisse is, I think it's one of the last books he did. I think it's the last book he did actually. And um, he was, he had an operation and ended up in hospital and he was, while he was recuperating, he read all the poetry of Charles Dolion. And he, this Charles, he um, was captured by the British, his French. He was captured by the British in the Battle of Argencourt and in the 1400s and uh, was actually a prisoner for 20 years or so and uh, wrote all this fantastic, uh, really playful poetry, really. Um, and Matisse just fell in love with it and did this whole book-based around this poetry and as you can see he just went a bit mad and just did drawing so these are all lithographs but this is his writing so he wrote it as well yes so he, that's his writing yes and it's all I, very beautiful um susan it looks a little bit crayonish very crayonish okay i, I didn't want to be rude but it just um, looks a little bit like you know like i could have done that yeah uh if i just crossed a path with you no no <laughs> no i mean i know this is the, but he did it like that in um purposefully oh i see the actual image, you know, the, the frontispiece is going on the wall, so there'll be a lot of stuff on the wall as well in this exhibition. But I know I know what you're saying about it, but it is really beautiful. It is beautiful. I mean, I kind of wish I'd done it first because, you know. I know. <laughs> but you have to do Matisse. Right. <laughs> That's the whole point, I think. Um, it's really crayony. It is very crayony, isn't it? It's just, just like he's done sort of frames to these poetry and then he's just gone round with a green line, then a black line, then a red line and then a burgundy line. Yeah. And made it a little bit curly. Yeah. But it's all the, about the French thing, you know, so all the fleur de and, you know, so, I don't know, it's, it's cute. There's rabbits in there which I really love. I love the rabbits, but I can't find the rabbits, of It course. does feel special being in the presence of a... Henri Matisse well, rabbit and his yeah. handwriting. Oh, there is God, something yes. about the physicality here. Mm. We're on mm. page 69 of a poem <laughs> called Chanson. Chanson. Yeah. I know. It's just fantastic. I mean, it really is It is a very special experience to, to be close to these things and in the presence of them. So, What would you like the public to think about next time they're passing by a bookshop and there's a rare book in the window. What do you want people to think next time they see something that's a rare book? That it's an extraordinary thing and it should be preserved for future generations and it should be enjoyed and um, people should be able to, to be able to see them and touch them and, and just have the experience of being with them. And to appreciate history really, I guess, is what it's about. Does it represent a moment in time between an artist and an author that can never really be reproduced? 
Yes, actually, that's a really good point. I suppose one of the big things about um, the from the European to Australian, which is the bit in the middle that I didn't sort of say, is Peter Herrell is um, Czechoslovakian. He came out to Australia in 1973, but then got a job in Canberra in the Graphic Investigation Workshop in 1979. And he he was so influential. All his students, you know, came out of this particular school of Euro very European um, school of thought and they just all went very radical and made all these fantastic like amazing artist books and did a whole lot of amazing work and that really sort of set the scene and as I said like now the Melbourne scene is like quite large and there's all these people collaborating and they all get together and you know do works together and you know it, it is really it's just produced this amazing level of creativity of this group of people. Susan, thank you for taking us on a, an adventure into rare books and being here in the presence. I know we've pushed the limits of audio, but hey, <laughs> who would you like to do that sometimes? <laughs> yes, no problems. Thank you very much. Ah, that rare book smell. Unmistakable. I would imagine it has the same effect as the new car smell. Thanks to our reporter and producer, Dr Andy Horvath. And thanks to our guest, Susan Millard, Special Collections Librarian. The Art on the Page exhibition is on until the 14th of January 2018 at the Knoll Shaw Gallery at the University of Melbourne. Eavesdrop on Experts was made possible by the University of Melbourne. This episode was recorded on the 7th of July 2017. You'll find a full transcript on the Pursuit website. Audio engineering by Arch Cuthbertson. Production assistance by Claudia Hooper. Still curious about the world? Visit our sister podcast, Up Close, which features in-depth and long-form conversations with seasoned researchers across many fields. I'm Chris Hatzis, producer and editor. Join us again next time for another Eavesdrop on Experts.